Really excited for our next guest. Going to introduce you to Clint Krisloff of Krisloff Law, and he specializes in real complex class action lawsuits. And Clint, I'm so happy you're here today because this is one area, this show's been on the air for about a year. We have not dove into the world of class action lawsuits yet. Oh and man, it's you're about the one, time. Yeah, and you're the one to talk to about this, my friend. You have a very impressive resume and have helped a lot of people get what they deserve. So thanks for coming on the program today. Not at all, not at all. We like to we like to look out for people's money and their their things, their stuff. Right. And you know, their services and benefits. Um, and I'm glad that, you know, I understand you have some interest in how these things occur, and well, I'm glad to answer that. Yeah, so uh, the only one I've ever been a part of was I got the Facebook check. Yep, me and, too. Hey, there you go. And uh, I was like, boy, that's easy. Uh, but I don't know how these things start. Obviously, it ends up representing a, a bunch of plaintiffs. Uh, could be, what, hundreds of thou- thousands of plaintiffs? I mean, what what's step one for a here's class action it, lawsuit? Here's, here's how it starts. Somebody calls us up out of the blue and says, you know, doesn't seem right that blah, 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 Facebook uses your biometric information or mm-hmm. or the, the the cereal you've been buying has had, had a pesticide that it wasn't supposed to have or or they're charging you for an extra add-on fee that doesn't seem or whatever. You know, the guy called up and said, you know, the phone company doesn't give you much time to to pay your phone bill before they charge a late charge. And we looked up and we did all this research and we found that the phone company was not sending it out with the notice that was um, evaluated evaluated by the post office so you could confirm the date of mailing so you had 21 days to pay your bill before they charged you a late charge. And so we sued them and, and that changed and we got a refund for people and they changed their mode of of operating, I mean, and, and we like those calls. They and come out of the blue, often from an individual, an everyday oh, folk, yeah, an everyday individual. Okay, so here's how the class case works. Yeah, in in, in short order, person calls up. We say, oh, that sounds like a good case. Like somebody called us the other day saying that that she had a Kia that was stolen and discovered that there's all this stuff about how Kias are very easy to to carjack by just change by just ripping the ignition thing and and then you got a usb but it's on tiktok uh-huh. <laughs> anyway so her car was stolen right and um so you know we're looking at proceeding against kia and tiktok um uh, for putting out the video uh, you know so how it starts is we get a call from somebody like that we look at the case we decide is this a case right um, or is there somebody else that can help them better that that isn't a case anyway and so we may if we think it's a good case we file the case we go to court on behalf of that person individual one person the individual one person is all it takes to start it and if you as you explain to the judge in motions there's a lot of paper right involved. um <laughs> you don't have to walk us through every piece of paper right no but the 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 criteria is are there more people than you'd want to have to go into court individually or would they not be able to go into court individually is this too small for an individual person to take individually um that's numerosity they call it is the are there common questions between the people did all the people have the same problem yes uh is this person's claim typical of all the other class members Mm -hmm. and usually it is and then the fourth thing is there adequate representation for the class by this person and this lawyer. And if the judge says, okay, and it fits into one of the categories that you can do a case under, they're pretty broad in Illinois law. They're, they're 
a little narrower but in federal law, but the concept is once the judge agrees with you on all those, they basically give you the stamp of authority and you're off to pursue the case, not just for the individual, but certainly for the individual and for all the rest of the class members, too. So the onus is on the, the, the lawyers to, to prove that this is deemed necessary or deemed appropriate yes. to broaden it beyond the individual. Right. So that has to happen. It's not that you find a thousand people and bring that to court. No. You find one person and say, hey, look, this could apply to more. Right. And that's and and that that is the most efficient effective and i think elegant way to achieve justice for um lots of people in a society where companies find it's lots easier to rip you off whether it's intentionally or accidentally mm-hmm. for you know rip take a buck from 10 million people is far easier than finding the one person you can rip off for $10 million. Right. And so this is a very effective tool. And we get calls on this a dozen calls a week. With really? People. Yes. Because people... Um, well, they feel slighted. They feel slighted. And, 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 and they're right. Right. And there ought to be a way to get them their money back and to change the practices. Right. And so, I mean, we've done election cases. The election case where we, we uh, got it invalidated to... Um, prohibit anybody who wasn't a registered voter in that place from being a circulator is knocked out. It's it's probably our most cited case. Every election cycle, there's somebody trying to get on the ballot somewhere that all the rest of the people want to make harder. And that case has gotten more people on the ballot. Pat Quinn called me up and, and thanked me one time for that for because it it makes it a more democratic process. Right. I think when people hear class action lawsuit, they think of a check that someone's going to get in the mail, which I know is the end result of a lot of times. But class action lawsuits in this country are some of the most important things we've had to move us constitutionally, to move us emotionally, change our democracy in many ways, too. In many ways. We, we We like cases that have significant meaning and impact. And we have the luxury of picking the cases, and so we pick them. I like money cases because they have a discipline to them. We have cases that, you know, even if it's a lot of money, like $150 million, we can we can count it to the exact penny mm-hmm. before we even bring it. Those are great cases, but the cases where we change the world and make it fairer to everybody um, we're very proud of all of those. Mm-hmm. And so after you've gotten that approval to bring it to this class action uh, situation, even if you're at one person, one person, then it's a matter of finding the other people, letting the public know that this might be a possibility. Is that where we then see these commercials that come up? I mean, how do you go about doing that? Okay. At that point, what happens is in the beginning, when the case gets certified, you try to give notice to everybody who's in the class. And and since you don't know all those people right. individually, you may put out notices, and that's where you see those, those notices mm-hmm. that are in the paper or whatever. But what often happens is that once the class gets certified, um, a lot of cases, like the Facebook case, mm-hmm. basically they may litigate a little further, but then they settle. Right. And so the first notice that goes out uh, winds up being the settlement notice. Mm-hmm. And that way... The class member, because this is a due process vehicle, Mm -hmm. it's fundamentally one of the things that we are very strong on in our firm is making sure that class members get the due process notice so that people can't cut a side deal that 
that either benefits them because the class representative can't just cut a deal for himself. I mean, right. Some people think that maybe you get a somebody calls you up and says, "I'll give you a million bucks if you just settle for your for the one client, person, yeah, for the one person, no. and go away." You can't do that. Okay. Ethically, we would not do that. Not that anybody's ever called up and right, right. made an such offer, an yeah, offer, but right. whatever. Um, typically, the first notice you get is of the settlement. And with that, you have the ability to either take the settlement, say, you know, it's not bad. I'll okay, take I'll take it, yeah. Or um, go in and explain to the court, that's not a fair settlement because blah, blah, whatever. Right. You know, we object. And we have objected on a couple, typically um, a lot of Plaintiff's lawyers don't object to other people's settlements because, you know, it makes you not everybody's best friend. Right. <laughs> um, but we have objected to settlements that we thought could be and should be improved. Okay. We we objected to a settlement years ago involving one of the Prudential Limited Partnerships, and we were able to expand the the case to cover all of the Prudential Limited Partnerships, which had been selected by kicking back to this guy who was operating uh, the, them for a pru. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so... I'll well, tell you what, hold this thought, because yep. we got to take a quick break. we got to do the go news. Away. Yeah, no, Clint, you're staying right there. And by the way, if you're interested in all of this, chrisloffelaw.com. Is there a phone number? Oh, yeah, 312-606-0500, right? Yep. I'm gonna give the, if we're not there, we'll take a message. Yeah, 312-606-0500. This is if you feel like you were long, wronged, and if other people were too you got to call Chris Love Law. More with Clint after the news here on WGN. Let's get legal powered by the Illinois State Bar Association on WGN. Uh, continuing our chat with Clint Chrislov of Chrislov Law. And he wants folks, if you're a listener out there and you feel like you've been wronged by, what, Clint, a company, a government agency, really anyone, right? Anyone. And, and the bigger the better. We, we like <laughs> yeah. to take on big entities, usually because also they have the money to pay off if well, right. And sometimes they have the uh, sense of security that no one's going to go after them because they're the big guy. It is. They, and they do what they can to try and stack the, the hurdles against you getting there. Shocker. I can't even believe it. Crazy. Would never happen A corporation here. or a government doesn't have my best interest in heart. Uh, your, your number is 312-606-0500. Yep. 312-606-0500. Uh, before we get to a couple past cases, I do want to ask about this because – it must be fascinating to get these calls from people because it's you have no idea what call you're about to get. We love them. You right. Know, it, every day. It's, it's got to be fascinating. It's a, it's a current events quiz and a new <laughs> yeah. adventure, and it's something to be looked and it's And it's an, it's an ever-replenishing inventory that comes in. We love them. I mean, it gives you new things to explore every day. Right. And it's the motivation that, hey— this person was wronged. I'm going to fight for this person. I know there's going to be others, too. We see, you know, the, the cases where we see changes that affect, that really affect people. I mean, it, it is great to get a $397 check. I don't doubt that. Yeah. But like city of Chicago has been sitting on checks for up to 30 years that it knew were out there and it didn't turn over. It didn't even report them to the state to uh, put it on the state's iCash website where you can you can go look for your money. In fact, we would encourage we have encouraged people to go to the iCash.IllinoisTreasure.gov yeah. website and find look put your name in money. We've had money. We've had Treasurer Ferricks on many times chatting about that program. It's a great that's a great thing. But the city has fought against reporting and there's like 
$30 million that we found that the city was sitting on. And um, I'm so surprised. You know, and so we're, we've been fighting with them to force them to, to, to at least report it so right. that people can find it. Ultimate point I'm getting at is I feel like class action lawsuits, somewhat, sometimes people, I don't know, they sometimes can have a bad rap. It gets a bad rap. There are some cases that are just silly or, cases. Yeah, They're but trivial. But what you guys do, I mean, you're fighting for little guys. You're fighting for you and me. You know, it's easier to it's easier to rip people off millions of people for a buck each than it is to find somebody to rip off for ten million dollars. Right. And and so while there's some cases that seem stupid or trivial, and some are. Yeah. You know, we we try to do cases that have real impact on people's lives. It's your money. It's your stuff. Oh, and if you get a notice of a of a settlement, whether it's ours or somebody else's, make your claim. Yes. Put yourself in. Because why should a the the wrongdoer keep it, and b and and why should just some of them get just distributed among the people who make claims? So maybe you only had thirty nine cents, but if you get a check down the road for thirty nine dollars, because only. One out of ten people actually makes a claim, you know, yeah. might as well be money you get rather than. Amen. And I just feel like in this day and age where we don't know who's calling us and we get all, there's so many people trying to steal our identity. I think people sometimes think they're being scammed. No, take a good read we at had, it. We had a case years ago where we were covered because um, this one collection firm for Blue Cross was leaning people's big recoveries on their personal injury cases for the hospital's posted price rather than the price that they actually paid Blue Cross. Mm -hmm. And so we were finding people with tens of thousands of dollars coming back to them. And you can imagine, so there was this one woman and had $80,000. I mean, she she had serious injuries. But she had... $80,000 $80,000 coming back to her, we had to chase her like we are a collection firm. To give her it. To the, give her the money because she thought, you know, naturally this was like a scam. We finally, you know, we... We convinced you convinced her the other way. We delivered it to her in person. I appreciate people being vigilant, though, because you never know. But, hey, if it's coming, you never know. take that money. Yes. A couple cases you guys have done in the past, one out in Arizona, dealing with a, a water company. You know, it's. I know you won't believe this, but the water, wastewater utility for this small county in Arizona, Pinal County, had, uh, as the government indicted them, uh, they had bribed their way to a higher rate for their customers. I mean, who would, would think of that? Nothing. No utility in Illinois, <laughs> Ohio, nothing, and New Jersey. Oh, would never do such a thing. Mm-hmm. In any event, we are. Uh, they were tried, but it was a hung jury, mm-hmm. and they chose not to con- not to retry him, probably because the owner of the company was ninety four years old and whatever. Anyway, so we we proceeded with the case. And we did achieve a $10.35 million settlement, which we're now in the process with the company that bought them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're now in the process of distributing that money by way of credits to those people's bills. I mean, and, and we're going through, I was looking at the spreadsheet yesterday, there are 40,000 customers who are going to get roughly between a, a, a half, about a half of the charges that they were overcharged, which may give many of them um, you know, a month a and a half credit. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, that, and then you don't, they don't have to do anything. It just they didn't right have to, their to do a thing. That's it's, good. Um, 
you know, in spite of the fact that going through it, you become an expert in Excel spreadsheets and, and formulas for going through and apportioning things, we think we'll get all the money back to all the people. That's great. This is, uh, I know you deal with sometimes people being charged more than they should. You just referenced one. I didn't realize there was such a big case in the hair industry, in the, in the world of hair. Well, years ago, um, the Mary Elchikochi firm had this thing called the ethnic hair charge, which the woman who called us, her husband had gotten her a gift certificate, and um, she was told that she would have to pay an ethnic hair charge. And I, I know this is going to shock you, but um, so anyway, we, we determined that that was probably a racially motivated charge. Mm-hmm. And actually, when we went through the case, it turned out we had to do a statistical sampling of all the people who had been subjected to the hair charge. And I know you're going to be surprised. This was determined to be 99 point something percent um, racially black customers, black customers. And, and I even had to look up where one black customer or one where one customer came from. And I said, oh, that's right off the coast of Africa. So that brings us almost up to 100 percent. And so, and they were charging essentially overcharging black customers under the guise of an ethnic hair charge, but they were not supposed to dis- discriminate between those charges. But they were all applied in one way. They were all applied in one way, mm. and it was a and it was a higher charge for the ethnic hair charge, and it was ninety nine percent of the time mm-hmm. a black customer, which they don't do anymore, um, or we haven't looked lately. But, right, exactly. You know, I presume they're not doing it anymore. All right. Uh, and also in terms of uh, you actually have represented or, or doing a, a case involving evictions and the lawyers who would represent people in evictions. In the evictions court, you have a um, – there's a process where if you are indigent, you can get a waiver of costs. Well, then you could go out and get – you were basically representing yourself. Mm-hmm. You couldn't find a lawyer. And there was a group – there was a lawyer, uh, Caroline Smith actually – who had a practice representing indigents um, in eviction cases. And she contacted us. Um, she's a wonderful woman. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, it isn't the way that it's the way that they have it set up is if a lawyer then comes in, the lawyer has to be res- personally responsible for all the costs that this couldn't have, this person couldn't afford to pay. And it means that no lawyer would, would ever take it, would ever take it. And uh, we brought the case in federal court against the county, and we've gotten that corrected. Uh, and so now lawyers who will represent um, indigent eviction cases uh, can do so without having to incur hundreds, possibly thousands of dollars in personal expenses to and, do it. And see, that's what I'm talking about. This isn't only about a check at the end of the day, although those are great to get people the money right. that they deserve back. But I mean, like some of our most important Supreme Court decisions have been class action lawsuits. We, Brown v. Board of Education. I mean, there's a ton of them out there. There's it. It like I say, it's it's both an efficient and an elegant vehicle for getting justice. That um, you know, people sometimes abuse. I'm sure people lots of times complain about, but when done the right way, they achieve 
great things that make you proud to do it. I just I just think of people that have been evicted that are in the worst straits of their life, maybe dealing with one of the most difficult situations, and what what more important time to have legal representation. And of course, not a single lawyer is going to take their case because of a stupid rule in the county, and you saying, that's not right, that deserves to be changed. Yes, and we, we, we love those changes, because it, it makes us feel like we've done something significant rather than although you know people call us up and and in securities case investments or years ago um we represented a bunch of people who had what's called an esop an employee stock ownership plan that the founder of the company had developed because he wanted the company to eventually over time be owned by the employees and the greedy grandson of the founder um rigged it up so that he bought them all out for half a fair price and we went to trial and very few of these cases had tried but we were in a three-week trial where we we achieved a double valuation of their retirement benefits and we gave them, got them back 20 percent i was on the board of the company for another few years until we got them a fair buyout of the rest <laughs> um between and there's that's the great thing about class actions from my view we provide a vehicle and sometimes lawyers call us up and say right you know can you help us with this and we we love to have those partners on cases because they know their area of the law and we're more than happy to have them along because we it's good to have an expert in that area right hey we got to take a quick break we have a couple questions from listeners i want to throw at you oh, great we'll chat it during the break we'll do more with clint chrisloff again 312-606-0500 if you feel like you've been wronged more after this on let's get legal 720 WGN, let's get legal. Powered by the Illinois State Bar Association. Continuing our chat with Clint Krisloff of Krisloff Law. And we're getting some interesting questions, a lot of technical questions about class action lawsuits. Clint, someone wanted to know, what's the minimum amount of of people? Because you start with one, as we stated at the beginning. You find one person and then you ask, basically, or prove uh, that this could be broader. Once that permission is granted, then you get others. Is there a minimum right. amount? Uh, you know, different courts have a minimum at the low end uh, with this numerosity question. Some have gone as low as 12, but usually 40. And, you know, you could say the more the merrier. But, um, you know, cases with tens of thousands of people are are the norm. Mm-hmm. More is fine. Right. Um the only trick becomes if you have to give notice at the beginning of the case, class counsel really has to bear those costs of giving notice, which can be substantial. Um, you know, it, it's, I think there's one as low as a dozen, but mm-hmm. we like them and the courts like them to be more than that. Mm-hmm. 312 wanted to know, do you expect to see lawsuits related to vaccine mandates at municipal levels or against employers? Or broadly speaking, has COVID created more and interesting cases relating to class action? There are, there have been some cases. We typically don't jump in on somebody else's case because we like to, to have our own cases that mm-hmm. we don't have to, to deal, play intramurals. Uh, there are vaccine mandate cases dealing with uh, there's one against the state, there's one against United Airlines, there's one against the Chicago Police Department. There, there are a few of those cases. It's not right. It's not our. It's not our type of case. Right. Yeah. And it, I do find it interesting, though, that the world of COVID, whether it's vaccines or other things, extra charges here. I mean, like it's been a difficult couple of years for everybody, and you know, you know, there are people out there that are exploiting 
weaknesses in 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 the in the world post covid right and i imagine that there will be cases that relate to something that has to do with something you know the one great thing about our system of law is that if somebody really legitimately feels that they are being wronged they have an avenue to go to and that that to me is so important that even during the covid we get really upset um we try to express it in a respectful manner to the court. But when the courts don't hold publicly zoomable, at least, right. hearings, or when we're all back in, make it a public thing, um, people should know that the courts are there for them to pursue things with, for them to get their wrongs righted, and they need to be heard. That's the one thing that I think many judges miss the point of. They think, they thought about it, they think they came up with a fair result, and maybe they did. But if if the people don't see the judges thinking about it, listening to, seeing them listen to argument, they don't know that they've been heard. And people at bottom, they may not, they, people don't require to win every case, mm-hmm. But they want to know that they've been heard and listened to and thought over. And if you take away the the public interaction, I mean, I used to always bring my kids into court um, so they would know. And, and, you know, that it's a place – that's what the courts are there for. And that's what makes our system legitimate – viewed as legitimate or illegitimate. And so I would encourage judges to have publicly – at least publicly zoomable hearings mm-hmm. as much as possible. 630 uh, texted in saying that they were part of a class action lawsuit dealing with a health violation by a company. The check was nice, but knowing that we had fought the big guy was even better. You know, knowing that you fought the big guy and you'd gotten a change is often the the real thing. I mean, we um, we caution our class representatives not to say we're not in for the money, we're in it for the principle, because what then happens is the people on the other side says, well, they really don't have a stake in this. Right. They're just voicing their opinion. Um, but the fact of the matter is that, that the class representative, while they are looking for the their own recovery, and must, mm-hmm. and looking for a recovery for everybody else, they're really, I'm sure the motivation behind most of them is to make things better. Mm-hmm. 630 wanted to know, did you have to go to through special training to be a class action lawyer? Is it the same law school? That's an interesting question. So I went trial to, by fire, trial by fire. I went to I went to Cornell Law School and then I, I got out and I joined a big firm as an associate in their tax department, really, because it was the one place in a big firm in that big firm where I could do both litigation and deal work and stuff. And so um, because the the litigators didn't think tax litigation was real litigation, and the tax people didn't know that the litigators could understand the tax laws really well. And so I got this great variety of civil and criminal cases, um, of cases that, of deals that you know. The first tax case I had was with what what was called the Oriental Theater. Oh yeah, okay. Um, and its allocation of of tax bases, but the experience in tax cases gave me an appreciation of the discipline and the complexity of numbers cases that are often glossed over by everybody else. And it set me well for 
So how I got into this was, you got a minute for this? Yeah, yeah, just about. Okay, so the, the this guy called me up from another big from another big firm after I had left, started my own little firm. Uh-huh. He said, you know, the city is late in paying over its its pension taxes to the pension funds. There are people who would like to see it speeded up, but our firm doesn't want to have anything to do with it because retribution from the city is certain, if not swift. Right. And so, Clint, I thought of you because nobody else wanted to do this, but you're not from here. You don't have any city business. You have no chance of getting any city business, so you have nothing to lose. And <laughs> That's quite a so, good flattering way to say that. You know, so so next thing I know, a retiree shows up on my doorstep with $60, a guy named Martin Ryan. We sue the city, and we discover that the city is, in, is taking the money in, investing it in overnight deposits at the Continental Bank. Um, some of you are old enough to have heard of them, uh-huh. and then keeping the money, keeping the profits when they turned it over later at the end of the year. And so we got like a $35 million. And the pensioners should have gotten it. The people well, it should have gone to their pension funds. funds. I know this will shock you, but their pension funds were underfunded, underfunded. Oh, even then. Wow. And then the city turned around and cut off the retirees from their health care coverage. And we have been litigating that, litigating that case on behalf of all the city retirees off and on since literally 1987. And we're still, there's still like 10,000 of the city retirees who were promised lifetime health care coverage because they wouldn't qualify for Medicare and don't. Um, and so, you know, these are cases that are meaningful. Anyway, that's what got me into this. 312 says... Pensions, dealing with water, trusting companies. I think sometimes people are a little too trusting of the big institutions and the big companies that they do have their best interests at heart. It's nice and refreshing to hear someone say, maybe they don't. That's nice to hear. Isn't that? And, you know, and and the best thing that we've got out there are people like that 312 person keeping an eye out for that stuff and alerting us when something like that happens. And we love to pursue those. And so we, you know, Call 312-606-0500 anytime. If, if we're not there, we'll take a message and we'll call you back. That's where I was going to. Chris Loff Law, 312-606-0500, chrisloffelaw.com. That's K-R-I-S-L-O-V, law.com. Clint, it was great to meet you. I look forward to our next chat, okay? Me too. Me oh, too. Can't wait. All right. That'll just about do it for Let's Get Legal here on 720 WGN. We'll be back again next Saturday at 1 o'clock, and I'll be back on Monday for Your Money Matters at 6 p.m. with a Mesero Monday takeover. Have a great rest of the weekend, everybody.